Um, this morning, the message is called Unstoppable, and Tanya was telling us a little bit about when we get on a certain topic, each one of them has a, like an ob- obsession, like a like a a desire to share about maybe it's cars or maybe it's gardening or maybe it's cooking or maybe it's your grandkids or maybe it's your latest vacation or whatever, but we love to share. And we're looking at the book of Acts. We've been looking at the, the foundation of the church, which is the, the filling of the Holy Spirit and the, the boldness that comes from that Holy Spirit into our lives and gives us the boldness to speak about Jesus. It was interesting last week I was watching the service uh, when Pastor Will was talking about watching your mouth. And I thought, oh, funny that he's talking about the mouth. Um, the mouth is meant to be used as an instrument of blessing, as, as an instrument of life that, that brings life to others. It doesn't hurt people. It doesn't destroy people. But the mouth is one of those things that actually in the book of James, uh, James wrote and he said, you know, out of the same mouth comes curses and, and praises. And this should not be, brothers and sisters, he says in James chapter 3. Can both fresh water and salt water come from the same stream? It just uses some logic, right? Can fresh water and salt water come from the same stream? The answer is no, that shouldn't be, right? So when we think about our mouth and we think about witnessing and we think about being uh, those who are here to be witnesses of the life of Jesus... Um, it's important for us to understand God created us for a purpose. And one of those purposes is to share, to share God's love, to share about Christ and the greatest gift that he gave us, which is his very life, so that we could have life. So in Acts chapter 5, we've seen some, some great signs and some wonders and some miracles that are being performed by the Holy Spirit through the apostles in the name of Jesus. There's been huge numbers of people that have been affected already in the city of Jerusalem. Lots of people have been healed. Demons have been cast out of people's lives. And people are overjoyed that this is happening. That in the name of Jesus, freedom is coming. Healing is coming. So the apostles were continuing this ministry of Jesus, which he began, but he asked them to continue, and he asked us to continue on and on until he returns. But Jesus, just as with Jesus, not everyone was happy about what was happening. Now the crowds were, we're told, but there are religious leaders, there are those who ran the temple and the religion of the Jews at the time who were not happy at all. They weren't happy to see that the followers of Jesus were continuing to do the things that Jesus did. They controlled the temple. That was their sort of home field. Why were these guys coming in and messing things up? It says that they actually were not just annoyed, they became jealous of the apostles and what God was doing through the Holy Spirit in the early church. They had taken them already in one time for for talking to. Do you remember that? In Acts chapter 4, they took Peter and John in because the crippled man had been healed by the power of God. And, and then they were preaching about Jesus. And they said, it's not us that did this, it's Jesus that did this. And so they were already uh, corrected and told to not preach or teach in that name anymore. But now they were out doing it because the Holy Spirit was continuing to ins- inspire them. They weren't intimidated by the authorities. 
They weren't worried about the temple guard. They weren't frightened by the possibility of punishment. They were bold. And they had prayed for more boldness. After they were released that first time, they they came back and they said, let's just pray for more boldness, that the Holy Spirit would continue to use us and that people's lives would be changed. So these are the same apostles that just a little while before were were locked down themselves. They locked themselves in their, their apartment, right? And they were afraid of the Jews, it says. And on Easter morning, all that changed. Now, it's the Jews who become afraid of them. It's like they changed places. They were out there ministering the gospel in an unstoppable way. When we think of something that's unstoppable... I spent this past week, you can probably tell, on the beach, right? On the ocean. And those waves are unstoppable. I could stand there and think as hard as I wanted to and put my hands up and block with my body. Those waves are still going to come. They're unstoppable. God set up the world in such a way that waves are going to continue to come one after the other after the other. We have to, by the power of the Spirit, receive that kind of motivation that we can't be stopped. And so this morning, in the passage that we're going to look at, in in Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 17, we're going to see this same type of motivation. No matter what's put up against them, they continue to come with the message of the gospel, the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. So let's pray and let's look at this story in Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 17. And let's ask God to fill us with that kind of determination, that kind of boldness. It has to come from Him because we're naturally fearful people. But supernaturally, we can become bold for Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word and thank you for the reminder that it is to us that you are an unstoppable God that what you desire to take place is going to take place, whether we resist it or we cooperate with it. That is the question. So we pray that our hearts would be open and that we would learn to cooperate with your desire to share the gospel to every man and woman, boy and girl on the earth today. Fill us up with that kind of boldness so that nothing can stop us and that Jesus will be glorified through it. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So if you've turned to your Bible to Acts chapter 5, hopefully you have. We're starting at verse 17. It says, Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, they were filled with jealousy. They were filled with jealousy because crowds were gathering around the ministry of the gospel. And their lives were being changed, and they were excited about it. And all kinds of things were taking place in a a supernatural way to bring glory to Jesus. As Peter taught them and teaches us, it was all about Jesus. So these same Sadducees were jealous of Jesus. Now they're jealous of the Jesus people. They arrested, in verse 18, they arrested the apostles, and they put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out and said, go, stand in the temple courts and tell the people the full message of this new life. The full message of this new life. Because Jesus brings new life. 
we were headed down a road that only led to death and destruction, Jesus, through the gospel, through the cross, has now given a new way of life for those who will follow him. And so they're told by this angel, go and tell people about this new life. That's also what we are encouraged to do. Tell people about this new life in Christ that you have found as you follow him, as you've seen his goodness work through you to change you and make you into a new person with new motivations and new passions that God has placed in you. So, he, so, so here the apostles, they were arrested, they were put in jail, and at night they were let out. It says, at daybreak, in verse 21, they entered the temple courts, and as they had been told by the angel, they began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived that morning, they called together the Sanhedrin, which is the full assembly of all of the religious leaders in the temple at that point in Israel. And they sent to the jail for the apostles. But where are the apostles? They're not there anymore. The apostles are are back out in the temple courts. Upon arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and they reported, We found the jail securely locked with the guards standing outside the doors. But when we opened the doors, we found that no one was inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were puzzled. It's a funny word. Greatly puzzled. Confused, right? Wondering what could be happening here. What is going on? Then someone else came in and said, Look, you know those men that you put in jail? They're all standing out in the temple courts teaching the people again. And at that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. He rearrested them. They did not use force because they feared. This is the Jewish leaders in the, in the guard. They feared the people would stone them. So now they were afraid. Remember we talked about the disciples used to be afraid? Now, because the power of God is working through God's people and Jesus is healing people and freeing people, they were afraid. But they did it anyways. They brought them in. They brought them back. They didn't use any force. So the apostles must have gone willingly back there. Having brought the, the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. High priest says to them, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty for this man's blood. Because the teaching of Jesus has to involve the crucifixion, his death for our sins. And, the, and, and how did that happen? They're telling the story that just took place so that everybody could know. And the reason Jesus was killed was because these very same people had decided in a, in a night trial, not in a trial like this one, but in, a, in one that was done quickly at night, that Jesus had to die, Right? So now they, they feel like they're being blamed, you know, they're, they're the ones who are being blamed and, and, and they're going to get in trouble with the people, right? But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might Give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are the witnesses of these things. Remember Jesus said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. He will give you power to become my witnesses. 
right? And that's exactly what has happened. God has fulfilled that promise. He's made them the witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, they add, whom God has given to those who obey him. Again, they don't take the credit on themselves. They are the witnesses. They're the ones God is using. But the Holy Spirit has been given to them for that very purpose. The Holy Spirit has been given to you and to me for that same purpose. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we want to focus on on other benefits. And there are other benefits to our relationship with God. We receive peace. Peace that passes understanding. Circumstances can be crazy, but we still have a sense of peace because we know ultimately God's got this. God's got us. He's going to get us through this. We don't know how, but we have peace. So sometimes some of us who are peaceful people, we like to focus on the peace of God. We have to keep the peace and enjoy the peace and bathe in the peace. But God has called us and given us his spirit to be his witnesses. So unless we're witnessing about the peace of Jesus, we sometimes withdraw from that arena because witnessing, bringing up the name of Jesus, bringing up the things that Jesus has done, sometimes causes conflict, right? Truth applied to the world around us, which is not walking in the truth, sometimes has a conflict. So we have to, we have to remember our, our Holy Spirit, the Spirit within us, needs to motivate some of us to get out there and open our mouths and to be willing to bridge that gap and start that conversation because that is why the Spirit was given. The Spirit was not given just to give us peace, just to give us an assurance, just to give us a safe place to hide. He's given to us so that we would go out, preach the gospel to all nations, and make disciples of them by teaching them, by telling them. This is exactly what these guys are doing. They're telling them about Jesus, telling them about the good news of Jesus Christ. So the funny thing is in this is that, that God does not allow his message to get stopped. He won't, he won't let it get stopped even by locking it up in a jail, right? There's there's this ability that God has in any circumstance to be able to bring about the gospel, bring the gospel through difficult situations. And even locking them up, all he had to do was send one of his angels to unlock the the gate there and let them out and, and get them back to work, right? The angel of the Lord came and freed them. The angel commanded them that they should go back and keep preaching, keep teaching. Teach about this new way of life. This is what they did. They continued that. The religious leaders are, are sort of the comic relief in this story because they go and they, they get everybody together. They're ready to, to bring them out. And they go to bring them out and there's nobody there. The jail's empty, you know. I can imagine the early church you know, just hearing this story for the first time and saying, that's pretty funny, you know. Those guys always think they know everything, you know. They're, they're the ones who think life, that they are living the perfect life and everything, you know, should be as it should be according to their rules. And they go to open the jail and nobody's even in it. Like, wait, what happened here, you know? Uh, some, something bigger is happening. And, you know, and sadly, they don't, they don't take a clue from the circumstance. They don't realize like, oh, wait, God's at work, Right? You know, when, when, Peter, when Peter and the apostles preached to them, they don't take the same approach as we, we saw on the day of Pentecost. When they heard the story, when the crowd heard the story on the day of Pentecost, they said, what can we do? Now that we know this truth, what can we do to be made right with God? Remember that in the early chapter of Acts there? That, that, that they, they wanted to repent. They desired to do something different so they could be in right relationship with God. These guys are still are still not accepting that. They're still not accepting of that message. So 
they do something as they as they get everybody together. They get they get them together and they're ready to sort of like make a decision, right? So let's let's read a little bit more on in the story. They want to make a decision. You know, these guys are witnessing to God about God to the people. In verse thirty three, it says, "When the when the Sanhedrin when the, when the elders there heard this message again." They were now furious. Now, we know they were furious before and they were jealous, but now they're even more angry. And they wanted to put them to death, verse 33 says. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, he stood up in the Sanhedrin and he ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Like, guys, simmer down. Let's take a little break. Put these guys over in, you know, in the conference room over here and let's talk. Let's, let's, let's strategize a little bit. Because last time when this happened, they sent Jesus to the cross and things haven't stopped. Things haven't slowed down. Things are actually getting more out of control. And so he's thinking, "Uh, let's be careful here. If we put these guys to death, it might get even worse for us, right? And so he's also from a a particular branch, a particular family of of Pharisees or Sadducees. And they were known for being being like uh, careful. You know, they they have a tradition of being careful and getting Israel through some tough spots. And so he was respected. God used him. Even though he wasn't a believer, God used him to slow the train down, right? To give this early church some more time to develop this message and to let more people hear of the goodness of God. And so, so we, can, we can rejoice that there was one guy there who had some good sense to, to sort of settle down, settle the crowd down. Let's not, let's not start that again. So we find that even in... A room of people who do not love God, who do not respect God, God can use someone to bring about God's will. You know, we always think like, oh, God's will can only be done by Christians. No, God can use anybody, anybody he chooses to bring about his will. Because the good news of Jesus Christ is unstoppable. It has been unstoppable from the day it began. It continues to grow and grow and grow. It continues to grow around the globe. It continues to grow in different countries. And when countries come down and they clamp down on the church, the church just goes underground and does more work in a secret way, you know, so that the, the gospel and the good news of Jesus continues to grow. You know, it's interesting that these guards um, are the ones that come back and, and tell them, like, hey, um, they're gone. We don't know why they're gone. Because this is actually something that we're going to see a few times in the book of Acts. There are other places in the book of Acts where the guards are endangered because you could be killed for letting your prisoners go, you know. Um, and, and one of them is, is, is uh, he's about to kill himself and they say, wait, stop. The apostles say, no, don't do it, you know. Don't kill yourself. But he was going to kill himself before he got killed, right, for not doing his job correctly. So God, God is always at work. He's compassionate. He's loving. He desires for people to come to him. Instead of concluding that this miraculous release was by the hands of God, these guys continue to push. So let's continue to read here. He sent them out into another room, and then he gives them his his argument, right, in verse 34. He stood up, and he addressed the people, the elders, and he said, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do with these men. 
Because some time ago, Thaddeus appeared. So this is another uh, teacher, another maybe rebellious teacher, you know, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and then all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. So another person had risen up and, and had a following, but they killed him just like they killed Jesus. They killed that guy. They got rid of him. And then his followers were dispersed. And then he says, After that, Judas, a Galilean, appeared in the days of the census, and he led a band of people in a revolt. But he too was killed. And all of his followers were scattered. So he's sort of looking back on recent uprisings. So therefore, he says, In this present case, I'm going to advise you of this. Leave these men alone. Let them go. And here's the interesting thing. For if their purpose or their activity is of a human origin, it will fail. I say that again. If their purpose or this activity is of a human origin, in other words, if it's just men organizing themselves and trying to get something done for themselves all on their own, it'll fail. But, verse 39... If it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Right? If this is from God, it cannot be stopped. If this is from men, it'll go away. This is wisdom at work here. His speech, verse 40 tells us, his speech persuaded them. They called the apostles back in. They had them flogged. And then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they just repeat the same thing they did before. Now, flogged means whipped. You know, it's not the same kind of whipping that Jesus had, not the one with the, with the bones and the, the sharp metal in it, because that usually left you for dead. But it was a whip nonetheless, and they were flogged. They were punished right, by these guys, ordered not to speak in the name of Jesus, And then they let them go. Verse 41, let's finish this chapter. The apostles left the Sanhedrin sad and depressed because they were treated so horribly. No, that's not what it says. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Woo! Because they had been counted worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. Wow. Now that's a twist, right, on our mind and our emotions. That's not usually how we respond to being flogged and arrested and, and, and ordered not to, to, to speak about Jesus anymore, right? Day after day in the temple courts, the place that they were just arrested in, twice. Day after day, verse 42 says, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching or proclaiming the good news of Jesus, that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. They never stopped. They couldn't stop because the Holy Spirit was their energy, their, their excitement, their, their joy. It was their joy to even suffer doing this. This is similar to what they said in their first arrest. It says, we cannot, speak, we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And now in their question, they said, we must obey God instead of men. These are very important Christian principles that we must absorb and understand. 
We live in a free society, that's for sure. America, the land of the free, right? So we have freedoms. We don't always use those freedoms. We get intimidated sometimes. We get fearful. We get worried that, you know, they won't be my friend. They won't invite me to the party. You know, we, we, we get... But these guys were willing to die for Christ, willing to get flogged, willing to get put in jail. And many of them were. And we're going to see they're not always rescued in the same way. God doesn't always send an angel. In fact, all we have to do is look back in what we know so far in the Gospels. John the Baptist, who was the prophet who baptized Jesus, who preached repentance, his head was chopped off by one of the kings, King Herod. So it doesn't always end on this earth, on this plane, with this angel came and rescued me, angel came and rescued me, angel came and rescued me. We're going to see in just a few chapters... Angel doesn't come and rescue one of the apostles, and, he, and he's killed. And we're going to see also Stephen, one of the early dis- disciples, right? He's, gonna, he's also going to be stoned to death. So, so the message or the moral of the story isn't about how to live through the worst things possible, how to always be rescued. That's not the message of the story. The message of the story is that God's message of Jesus Christ cannot be stopped. The Holy Spirit is in God's people all over the earth spreading the good news through good times and bad times, through victories and also through looks like defeat. God continues to do his work. These guys, they don't want to find themselves fighting against God. They have enough sense in them, a, a sense of that there is a God and that we, we, we don't want to be on his bad side. You know, so there in, in, verse, in verse 38 and 39, his, his argument works, which is a good thing because the apostles are given more freedom to continue to do what they're told not to do. Now, we are sometimes naturally rebellious people. We have to be careful that our instructions on what to do and what not to do are coming from God. Right? We're not called to just be rebels and just go against every law that's out there. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. You know, that's, that's more the American <laughs> the Americanism, right? We want to be biblical believers and follow God's instructions. We want to do what he asks us to do. There's no guarantee of like individual safety if we are going out there and and boldly proclaiming Jesus. There really isn't. There's numerous martyrs throughout the last 2,000 years who testify to this. Even Jesus tells us this. So what I'm saying though is, is that the harder the world tries to censor the gospel and keep it locked down, the faster the word of God spreads. That's what we're going to see. As this continues, as the early church is in Jerusalem, and pretty soon there's more pressure and more pressure and more arrests and more things going on, the gospel just gets more active. And it spreads out further and further from Jerusalem. So it starts in Jerusalem, it gets its roots down there, but then it spreads like wildfire. And this is the exciting part of being a believer. Right? Yeah, there's martyrs. There's people who have died. In fact, in these last 100 years, they think that there's probably more believers who have died for Christ than in the other 1,900 years beforehand. Here's some statistics that I got from the World Watch List, which is a, which is a Christian website that looks for 
those who are being persecuted, those who are being jailed for their faith and tries to pray for them and tries to send help to them, tries to even bring some, some lawyers into the situation if possible. But in the past year, right? It says there's over 360 million Christians living in places where they experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. Maybe not where you live, where I live, but where many of our brothers and sisters live. Almost 6,000 of them were killed for their faith. Just over 5,000 churches and other Christian buildings were attacked, taken away, just as our friends Olga and Yasha told us. Their church is now the government's property, right? They took it away from them. There's 4,700 believers who were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned. Those are big numbers, and I want you to see them. I want you to think about that. Because, number one, we should be praying for our brothers and sisters around the world. We shouldn't just be happy, fat and happy here in America. We can do what we want. No, they're brothers and sisters who need us. They need us even just as their prayer partners. They may need us in more ways than that. But we should be aware of that. These are people we're going to spend eternity with. We're called to love them just as we love ourselves, right? So in places like America... People still try to suppress the gospel, but not with violence. Not yet. They use fear and intimidation to try to silence the gospel. Right? They lump us into this group of people that they call hate mongers. You know? Oh, you're, you're a Christian? You're a, hate, you're a hate person. Makes no sense, but it just shows you the mentality of the enemy. That those who were supposed to be known for their love, if you identify yourself as a Christian out in the marketplace, you're called a hater. Why is that? Well, there are fringe groups that, that give us a bad reputation, right? There are some people out there who are haters. I don't think they're following Jesus, so I don't think they're disciples of Jesus. They may call themselves Christian, but if they don't, you know, what is, what, what's, the, what's the thing? If you walk like a duck, quack like a duck, must be a duck, Right? So if you walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, you must be a Jesus follower. You must be a Christian. But if you don't walk like a Christian, you don't talk like a Christian, logic would tell us you're probably not a Christian. So let's not just say, oh, anyone who takes the title of Christian and puts it on their organization or their website or whatever is a Christian. And then they say hateful things and they want to do hateful things. Those are not Christians. It's, it's, it's easy to discern that. Let's, let's try to use some discernment as we walk through this life together. It does get confusing, I think, for the world because those people who are calling themselves Christians and then you say, oh, I'm a Christian, right? So, so sometimes we use the terms, I'm a Christ follower. It's the same thing, but sometimes that helps to break that. If, if Christian is now a dirty word in our society, then be a Jesus, Jesus follower. I follow Jesus. I love Jesus. I want to serve Jesus. I want to love you. I want to serve you in the name of Jesus. That might help. I don't know. I'm not an expert at this. I'm just giving you some food for thought as you think through how to interact with the world and the world that we live in here. Sometimes because we're lumped into those groups of, of hate mongers and people who use the name of Christian, Christianity in a wrong way, we then start to hide. We start to get a little less eager to share. 
because, oh, what if they think I'm, you know, and so then we're playing games in our own mind, right? We're, 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 we're what's it called, self-fulfilling prophecy. We think, well, they're probably going to reject me, so because I don't like to get rejected, I guess I won't say anything. And we just take a step back. And then we take another step back. But people need to hear the good news of Jesus. People need to be free from their sin and their shame and their hurt and their, their problems. They need the help that we received. So we can't be silent. Like these apostles before us, so what if somebody makes fun of you? So what if someone doesn't invite you to their party? So what? It doesn't make any difference eternally, right? This is a temporary setback, temporary social shunning or something like that. Love them, care for them, pray for them, continue to talk to them and to bring the good news of Jesus. Because the gospel is unstoppable. Whether you're bringing the gospel or not, that's something you have to deal with yourself. Pray for the Holy Spirit to give you boldness, as I have to. Pray for him to give you boldness so that you can bring the good news of the unstoppable gospel to the world. God is not going to be stopped. If you read to the end of the book, read to the end of it all, and if you can try to discern with all that imagery and all that prophetic talk, Jesus wins. The kingdom of God is coming and is already established but God is doing sort of a cleanup job right now. He's, he's finishing his work, and we are part of that. So let's think about that as we leave here today. And, and, and before we go, there's, a, there's a, a verse in Romans chapter 14. The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, he was encouraging the church, encouraging the church, keep going, keep living for Jesus, live in such a way. But he knew that his life on this earth was not the most important thing. His life for God, his life eternally was the most important. So he wrote these words to us and we should ponder these words. We should think about these words. Let's read them together because you can see them there on the slide. If we live, let me hear you. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Again, if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. In other words, you can't lose with the Lord. Either way, you win. Because to be with the Lord is the reward of walking with Jesus, of taking his way, of living this new life. The reward is life with him. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your word. We want it to give us courage and encouragement so that we can live as witnesses. We don't want to live as silent people, just watching the world suffer, watching the world go further and further from your truth. We know you've given us your precious Holy Spirit. We see it here on the pages of your Holy Scripture. You've given us your Spirit to give us boldness to make us witnesses. So Lord, open our hearts, first of all, so that we would love those around us enough to share the good news of Jesus. Then open our minds to know how to have conversations with people who are, are resistant or are angry, who don't understand. 
Give us compassion and understanding. And then open our mouths that we may speak the name of Jesus. That we may teach who he really was. Not who people say he is, but who he really was according to your word and who he is in our lives today. So Lord, we thank you that you are the way maker. You're the miracle worker. And Lord, we want to be speaking of these truths, bringing the truth of Jesus everywhere we go. Fill us with your spirit so we may do that. In Christ we pray. Amen.